Leaning Toward Wisdom, Season 2022, Episode 7. I got nobody to blame but me. Welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. And believe it or not, it was October the 3rd. 2015 at 10.07 in the morning when I first started putting today's show together. Now, tap the brakes. Keep your expectations way, way low. You'd think, well, man, alive. He's had what? Six years? Going on seven? This ought to be good. I don't know. Keep listening. We'll see. Welcome inside the Ellis studio coming to you from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. It's a crazy time of year, February, just about anywhere in this part of the country. We start out the morning uh, in the upper 30s, and as I hit the record button, it's in the afternoon. I would tell you when, but I don't want to, because uh, I'm not sure when I'm going to release this. 72 degrees. The swing in temperatures is just remarkable, and I've lived in this part of the country all my life, but it it still amazes me that we can have a 40 to 50 degree swing in temperatures sometimes during the year. And this is one of those times. So, Hey, I'm glad that you're here. I hope you are a subscriber. If you're not, please do that. And if you are a subscriber, but you are not yet in the Facebook group, nothing stopping you. Just go to the website, leaningtowardwisdom.com and click on that Facebook icon. I got nobody to blame, but me, you know, it's impossible to completely separate some areas of our lives from other areas. Do you think that you're pretty good at compartmentalizing things, you know, not letting one thing in your life, one area of your life disrupt some other area of your life. I'm reminded of leaders, executives, because, well, it's kind of sort of the day job who can sometimes admonish their employees who might be going through a difficult time to, you know, just leave that home, leave that outside the door. (laughs) Really? I mean, can you do that? I used to think I was fairly decent at compartmentalizing things, but I am not world class and I'm the, I'm the guy who worries a little bit about people who can flip switches and just go on about their business. 
at home or at work as though everything is fine. Right? I mean, everything can just be caving in at work and they just walk out the door at the end of a day or turn off the computer in this day and age and turn zoom off. And it's like, eh, no problem. No problem. Everything's fine. I'm really, really concerned about people who marriages can be breaking down all kinds of family drama, all kinds of situations and struggles and sorrows and heartache can be happening in their personal life and show up at work. And it's like, no, not a problem. Just head down and grind it out and go forward. When I started today's show, like I said, it was a number of years ago. In fact, it was the summer of 2015. And I had to go back and kind of revisit and remind myself. I think I made the admission last week that I'm really guilty of having two, three, sometimes more shows kind of in the works. I'm just kind of ruminating. As an old mentor used to tell me, he'd been studying about things. And studying things meant he'd been thinking about things. He'd been pondering things. And he would add to that, that he had been rolling. I've been rolling this around in my mind. <laughs> and as a young person, those kinds of that, that verbiage just kind of, I got tickled at it. You know, I've been studying about it. Yeah. Because for me, it's like study was something you did in the library or in a quiet place, all the books opened and maybe a computer open pen in hand. No, he just meant he'd been thinking about it. He'd been thinking about it. I got to thinking back in 2015 when I began some of these thoughts. Um, I, I have encountered a number of people, professionally and personally, who've had some pretty tragic things happen. The older you get, the more people you encounter who have encountered some tragic things. And I'm a people watcher. I'm a people observer. And I'm often fascinated, intrigued, and even puzzled by people who can suffer tragedy in one area of their life, but in another area act as though everything is fine. I'm also equally puzzled because it's just the human condition, how we can be so tragically failing in one area of our life and perhaps be spectacularly succeeding in another area of our life simultaneously. Weird to me. Now it goes way beyond compartmentalizing something, but I don't know. I, I, I continue to kind of be fascinated somewhat with this whole idea of compartmentalization of, of one thing in our life, not going so well and something else not being affected by it. When I compartmentalize something, I'm able to not let that thing whatever it may be, creep into a place where it may not belong. And I can give you a couple of examples. The first example involves personal and work. Uh, my wife and I have discussed through the years with friends, various and sundry things. And I had almost 20 years ago, I had what seems to have been a gallbladder attack. And it's only happened to me that one time. It has never repeated itself. We were at a church service and the afternoon services were about to begin. 
And suddenly I got this sharp pain at the top of my stomach and I just started to feel sick, not throw up sick, but breaking out into a cold sweat kind of sick. And so we're about two minutes before service is going to start. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to get up and go to the restroom. So I got up and by the time I got to the back of the building where the restrooms were located, I was feeling horrible. And I went into the restroom. I just, I took my suit jacket off. I ripped off my tie. I unbuttoned like the top three buttons of my shirt. I mean, I was just pouring sweat. I didn't feel nauseous. Didn't feel, I just had this sharp pain at the top of my stomach and this profuse sweating. So I come back out of the restroom and I tell somebody who's sitting at the back, I said, you know, would you, would you go up and get Rhonda, my wife? Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go home. I mean, I was just feeling sick as a dog. So we get in the car. She's driving, of course. Now I've got my shoes off and I've got my feet up on the dash. I don't, this is not what I do. I've got my feet up on the dash and I'm just pumping my legs. Could not keep my legs still. So I'm like, you know, man, I got to go home. She said, home, nothing. We're not going home. I'm taking you to the emergency room. So she takes me to the hospital and the nurse they come out, you know, with a wheelchair, put me in this wheelchair and I'm continuing to just pump my knees. And of course, what nurses in ERs do is ask you to describe the pain on a scale of one to 10. And I tell her, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a three. <laughs> and this nurse looks at Rhonda and says, look at him. This is, this is called writhing in pain. A three. <laughs> And I just remember, so this is what writhing is. I mean, I didn't, I've heard writhing in pain, but I'd never, I'd never been guilty of writhing in pain, but I was, I was sick as a dog. And frankly, I probably wasn't in any kind of shape to answer a quiz, even if it was a health quiz about how I was feeling. Now, fast forward a little bit. They've given me enough pain medication to knock down an elephant. At least that's what they told my wife. They said, you know, we, we've given him morphine. We've given him, I mean, I remember them telling her how much stuff they had given me to try to just get me to settle down. I couldn't be still. I am very resistant to pain medication and I am very tolerant clearly of pain. But there I am, I'm, I'm laying in the ER, legs pumping, and my cell phone rings. And I remember the call, and I remember taking the call. I don't remember much else about it, but my wife reports that I instantly answer my cell phone in my normal voice. And to her amazement, I'm carrying on some brief conversation with the person calling, who I can tell you uh, was a kid that I was coaching in hockey a college kid. And I never said one thing about being in the ER. I never said one thing about being sick. See, told you I could compartmentalize. Uh -huh. All right. 
you need a better example? Well, I don't know that I can give you a better example, but I can give you a different one. I can give you a professional example. I encounter and have encountered a lot of people issues through the years. And sometimes leaders can see a single problem and they can assume that something systemic is going on. It's a pretty common response. I mean, come on, we can all be a little bit paranoid and think, oh, you know, I mean, if somebody has, if we've got an internal theft issue and we discovered they've stolen a hundred bucks, you can pretty safely, I don't know, multiply it by 10, maybe a hundred, but just because there's a problem with a person in one department does not mean there is a problem with everybody in that department. Well, I once experienced a very serious honesty breach with a manager in my life. All of the evidence pointed to the facts that a, he was guilty of this infraction. B, he was acting alone and C, he had been doing it for much longer than I would have liked to have admitted. I did not have a hard time seeing it for what it was an isolated act of betrayal by one employee. So weeks of quiet investigation, it didn't lead me to any other conclusion. It led me to the conclusion. This was an isolated act by this one employee. So I handle the problem. I terminate the employee. Now I know business people who would have easily thought, well, this is a wider spread problem. And I didn't because I didn't have any evidence that went beyond this one employee. And in that case, I was able to compartmentalize. And I will tell you that early, early, early in my career, this was not all that easy because I'm a highly intuitive person. I'm constantly getting data points that I don't even pay attention to. I'm, I'm reading facial expressions. I'm reading the way people behave, the way they speak, their tone and picking up things. I'm a noticer. And so it's very easy for those of us who are high degree noticers to connect dots, try to put puzzle pieces together. And that intuition, even though mine is largely accurate, I'm still perplexed by what if I've got this wrong? What if I've got this wrong? Because I so don't want to judge a person or a circumstance or a situation wrongly. And so my curiosity, I allow my curiosity. I fuel my curiosity to get the best of me because I think that is the best route to have curiosity satisfied. I often tell coaching clients for me, it's, it's this progression of leadership that I established decades ago, humility. It starts with humility. You've got to be humble enough to realize you don't know everything. You don't see everything. You don't understand everything. So it starts with humility, which fuels curiosity because, well, if you've got humility, you realize you don't know everything. And so that drives your curiosity to ask questions, to seek some knowledge and seek some understanding. So Curiosity is satisfied by knowledge, but knowledge isn't enough. 
just knowing that this employee had committed this horrific act of betrayal, well, knowing wasn't enough. I needed to understand more. I need to, to understand how long has this been going on? Anybody else involved? What's going on here? I needed to understand. So weeks of this quiet investigation led me to not just know, but led me to understand. Now there's this thing called compassion and you can think, well, compassion is mercy. Well, not necessarily tap the brakes. Compassion in my book is a focus on others. So as I'm looking at this situation, I was able to compartmentalize to not have this knee jerk reaction that, okay, well, the whole thing's broken, the whole department's broken. The whole, you know, all the, there are these other people involved. No, no, they weren't involved. So I was able in that case to compartmentalize. Now that may not be quite what you thought it would be because these are two completely different examples that I've given you. And why is the subject important anyway? Why do we even want to have this conversation? Well, because I think it's wise and it is leaning toward wisdom. After all, I think it's wise for us to think about our life and to think about our behavior. And when it comes to this compartmentalization, I think there are three basic types of people. I guess part of it could be based on our natural wiring, but it could also be based on whatever skills we have leveraged and how much we have wanted to improve things. Three types of people, basically one, the people who compartmentalize with, I mean, they've just got some magical switch where they are able to completely disconnect one area of their life with another. The way I did when I'm in the ER, I've been given all kinds of medications and I get a phone call and my wife says, I have a perfectly normal phone conversation as though nothing was going on with me. So there are people who are able to do that. And I did it that one time. I'm not telling you that I've got this magical switch. I don't, but on that occasion I did. The second group of people are the people who I think are like me in that they are able to compartmentalize based on the situation, based on the circumstance at that particular time in that circumstance with that phone call, I, I did what I did. I have since done it again. And I got to thinking about this when I started working on this show years ago, and I've thought about it since I kind of resurrected this. I've, I've done it a number of times in my life. I've done it where I didn't want to impose on the other person. And I may have been bent in that moment, not wanting to share. I'm, I'm super open, super transparent, high degree of willingness to be vulnerable, but I'm not all that I'm not all that bent toward putting my stuff on other people. I'm way more interested in what's going on with other people. I'm way more interested in figuring out what I can do to help. That sounds so noble. I don't mean it that way. I started saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I really want to be helpful to somebody else. I tell people all the time because it's true coaching clients, especially I tell this. Our strength becomes our weakness. Our strength is our Achilles heel. You want to know what mine is? I love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it 
being the guy that other people lean on. I have a difficult time leaning on other people. Yeah, go figure, right? So there's proof that what I'm preaching is true. Our strength becomes our weakness. The third group of people are those people who just, they cannot compartmentalize at all. You know, those people, anything and everything that's going on with them, especially anything that's going on, that's a struggle, a sorrow, a problem, an issue. They can't compartmentalize, right? These are the high drama folks. You've got some people like that in your life. I kind of sum up these three groups of people this way. Number one, those who can completely compartmentalize those who can do it sometimes. And those who never can, (laughs) I'm in that middle group. And I suspect most of us probably are right there. We can do it sometimes, but I know people, they can, they can completely do it all the time. And I know others who don't seem to ever be able to do it. Now, the impetus for this show, when I began to think about all this a number of years ago, and the reason that I resurrected is because this theme is continuing to come up. Here we are in the early days of 2022, uh, but this this is a theme that is a recurring theme. It's a recurring theme in life, and the theme is this, selfishness. Selfishness. I already told you that progression of leadership and it culminates in compassion, which is a focus on others. That seems to be increasingly a difficult thing. A really, really difficult thing. It's about the times that we're to blame and we look around and guess what? There's nobody within spitting distance for us to blame our problems on. It's about those times when we would love to point a finger at somebody else, but we realize that we've got a mirror in our hand and we are staring intently at ourselves and it truly is our fault and we need to own it. Well, so what in Sam Hill does that have to do with our ability to compartmentalize? Maybe nothing, maybe something. It does have something to do with it because I've stumbled onto something through the years. And the thing that I've stumbled onto through the years is that the most selfish people among us, and sometimes that is us because selfishness may not be a way of life, but it can certainly overtake us in a moment, in a situation. The most selfish among us struggle to compartmentalize very much. The most selfish people I know refuse to exercise themselves. Okay. Discipline might be a better verb to use. They, they refuse to discipline themselves to compartmentalize for the benefit of others because, well, it's all about them. You know, the type one glitch in one area of life just derails them across the board. I mean, they drag their personal garbage to work. They drag their work garbage to home. I mean, it is just a, it's a big bowl of selfish gumbo. And yes, just like those three basic types of people, those who can compartmentalize everything. Number two, those who like me able to compartmentalize situationally, circumstantially, just sometimes. And then those who can't at all, we can all be guilty of this. All of us. Whose fault is it? 
I've been telling people for years that my work in trying to help people and mostly begin with me helping myself, when we are intent on growth and improvement, it is about facing the reality of ourselves. My ability to help people paint themselves into a corner began when I realized I had a knack, I had a tendency, I had a skill set to paint myself into a corner. I had an ability to look in the mirror and to accept responsibility. And I asked the question, whose fault is it? And I realized that I'm using in the title today a word that I really steer clear from. I got nobody to blame but me. But I'm using that verbiage for a reason because we can all relate to it. We can all understand it. But quite frankly, a more accurate assessment of it all would be it would be something that didn't use the word blame and it would be something that didn't use the word fault. And it's not because of political correctness. It probably is more psychological than anything because all of us can get very defensive. Wait a minute. What you think you think is my fault. It's not my fault. What you think I'm to blame. I'm not to blame. And so I, I think for me, the words that might be more powerful, I don't know. I, what are you, what do you think? The words that might be more powerful would be words like responsibility words like accountability. It doesn't mean that we're to blame. It doesn't mean that we're at fault, but it means who else is going to do something about this. I'm thinking of some people in my life right now that have, that are facing some, some pretty dire health challenges. Now, what are you going to do about that? I mean, is it your fault? No, the people I'm thinking of, it's not due to some excessive lifestyle habit. It's not due to being irresponsible. It's just luck of the draw. Luck of the gene pool. I don't know what. I can't explain it. I don't know. It's not as though they're deserving of this. It's not as though they did anything to contribute to this. Bad things do happen to good people. And conversely, good things do happen to bad people. Life is random like that. So nobody to blame, nobody at fault, but who else is going to deal with this? Who else is going to manage this? Who else is going to put in whatever work is necessary to deal with this? Well, each individual person has to do that. Uh, yeah, we want to get all fixated on, we need somebody to blame because that makes us feel better about ourselves. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. I don't deserve this. Yeah, but I don't does, forget the whole deserving thing. Well, there are plenty of things that I do, plenty of things that you do, and we probably deserve worse. You ever had some circumstance, some situation? I know you have, but think about it. Think about some time that you deserved worse than you got. You avoided a disaster that you deserved. I mean, I'm thinking of Rhonda and I take a road trip a couple of months ago, and I'm just 
I'm just alone in thought. I'm not, I'm not paying close attention. I'm just, I'm on the highway and I'm just following the cars in front of me. And there's at least three or four cars in front of me. And I would say that we're all probably, I don't know, four, five car lengths between us traveling at highway speeds and speed limit is 75. And I'm not paying attention and I don't feel like I'm going all that fast because I'm just kind of keeping up with traffic. And next thing you know, I've got a black sedan behind me with lights going on in the grill. And I'm like, what in the world? And I got these cars in front of me and they're just, I'm pulling over and they're hoofing it. I'm going 82 miles an hour in a 75 zone. Did I deserve a ticket? Yeah. I was exceeding the speed limit. I just wasn't paying attention. And the trooper was super polite, super nice. Asked me where I was going, told him, and he said, it'll still be there. It's not going anywhere. I need you to slow down. I said, yes, sir. And I thanked him profusely. He did not write me a ticket. Didn't have anybody to blame, but myself, I can say, well, but these other cars, they were, Nobody put a gun to my head to follow them. I did. I did wonder aloud with my wife. Yeah, I mean, why me? Well, I was the last in the line. I don't know, but he got me. And it's not anybody's fault, but my own, but I didn't get what I deserved. I got better. I got way better than I deserved. Aren't there so many situations in your life where you've gotten way better than you deserve. Of course, of course we all have. So maybe I did a disservice when in 2015, I wrote down the phrase, I got nobody to blame, but me, nobody to blame, but me. And I can tell you that the context of it was, I was pondering some folks at the time and it's only gotten worse by the way, since 2015. Pondering some folks that just colossally selfish. It's all about them. It's all about their life, but never taking responsibility for anything that happens. Even those things that like my speeding, you got to look in the mirror. You just got to look in the mirror. Now here's the great thing about all of this. Here's the positive stuff about all this is the minute that we are able to get outside of our selfishness and outside of our excuse making and outside of our fault finding and outside of our blame gaming, then we can just begin to accept responsibility and we can be accountable for the outcomes of our own life. Does it mean that you're responsible for everything? No. Does it mean you're to blame for everything? No. Does it mean that every success is because it's all you? No. All right. I'll tell you it's Monday after Super Bowl. This is Valentine's day that I'm recording this and the team that won the Los Angeles Rams. It was a team game. Yeah. Okay. Cooper cup. He, he wins the MVP deservedly. So maybe, but it took. 22 positions, 11 on offense and 11 on defense and 11 on special teams. It included that many positions and way more than that many players participating 
to hoist the Lombardi trophy. They all just, they all had a part. It's not a one man band thing. Your life is your life and you are accountable for your life and you're responsible for your life. Nobody else is. However, other people do have an impact and you have an impact on other people as well, but to look for fault finding and to look to see who's to blame. And for me to look at those cars that were in front of me, boogieing down the highway at 82 miles an hour and me just in line with the group because my mind had drifted and I was just alone in thought in the silence of our car, Rhonda's over there sewing or something and working on some handwork and I'm just driving. I'm just driving and I'm not thinking anything. And I had to stop and realize, you know what I did? I passed a state trooper. Yeah, I was vexed for a little while. Well, they also passed him. <laughs> I mean, I I I couldn't have passed him without them passing him first. Okay, well, I don't know. Maybe they slowed down to pass him. I have no idea. Had I had no idea that I had passed a state trooper, but I had. <laughs> and thankfully, he just gave me a polite warning. And I was on my way. No, I didn't try to catch up to the caravan. I, they were long gone, and I wasn't about to catch up with them. I was relieved. I was relieved that I got not what I deserved, but I got better than I deserved. You know, so many thoughts go through my mind with all of this, the countless times that we've gotten better than we deserve, the countless times that we've avoided disaster, the countless times that things have, have broken our way. Are you like me? Do you forget all those times? But man, you can get really focused. Speaking of compartmentalization, you can really focus. You can really compartmentalize the times it didn't go your way. The time where the trooper wrote you the ticket and you're thinking, man, alive. Why didn't he write everybody else a ticket? Why did I get the ticket? It's easy to do. It is just so easy to do. To focus on our lack, to focus on our want, to focus on the things that don't break our way. Newsflash. It doesn't all break your way. It doesn't break anybody's way all the time. 2022 has already been a year of struggle for an awful lot of people that I know. And we're not even, we're not even to the halfway point. Well, I guess we are to the halfway point of the first quarter of the year. You know, the trite old phrase, if it is to be, it's up to me. There's truth to that. It's not all encompassing. However, if it is to be, it's up to me. All of the players for the Los Angeles Rams, as well as all the players for the Cincinnati team, they all had to do their part. And if they didn't, it had ramifications for not just them, but for others. And your life and my life work exactly the same way because life is a team sport. It just is. You don't live in isolation. Well, I guess you could. I've never checked to see if any convicted felons or anybody who would be in the hole in a federal pen is listening to my podcast. There's a thought. Does anybody do a podcast to serve those folks? No, I'm not interested in starting one, but it's possible, right? I guess. Okay. So you could be living in isolation, but most of us, we don't live in isolation. We're surrounded by people. And even though our life, 
is not team in the sense that other people are responsible for the outcome of our life. They do have an influence on the outcome of our life and we have an influence on the outcome of their life. And so we touch one another in that sort of a way, but that's the randomness of life. And it's why I get really vexed. I get really vexed, particularly with agnostics or atheists who look at anything and everything that goes on in life that is not good and ascribe it to God. And why, why would God do that? Or why would God even allow that? Well, I can give you the answer because it's in the Bible. We have free will. God lets us choose. God gave us the capacity to love. He also gave us the capacity to hate. He gave us the capacity to be good and to obey and to live holy, righteous lives, but he also gave us the capacity to sin and to decide, I want to do what I want to do. I don't care what God wants me to do. I want to go to hell. I don't want to go to heaven. He gave us the ability to make that decision and to make that choice. And because each of us have that ability to make that choice, and that means, well, we kind of affect everybody else in the universe. Truth is there's sin in the world because there are selfish people in the world. There are people who don't accept responsibility. There are people who won't accept accountability. There are people who won't live in responsible fashions. I'm thinking of some folks that I've encountered through the years who've lost a loved one because a drunk driver hit them behaving themselves, driving perfectly safe. Some maniac out of the blue comes barreling down the wrong side of the road, drunk, and that's it. That's it. Didn't deserve it. Not their fault. Going to blame God for that. Going to blame God because somebody got drunk and decided to get behind a wheel of a multi-thousand pound car going the wrong way. No, that's not God's fault. That's not the person who got killed. It's not their fault. It's the drunk driver's fault. They're to blame. It's their selfishness that caused that pain. So I think about all this. And I was ruminating all this in 2015. And quite frankly, this is a subject that I ruminate on quite often. Not as I look at others, but as I look at myself and as I wonder what damage am I doing? What damage is my selfishness doing? How am I not contributing to the advancement, to the welfare, to the benefit, to the service of others? Because in this moment, I'm making it too much about me. And in that context, it's why I don't belong in that first group. Those people who can completely compartmentalize. And we can look at those people in the context that I first initially brought that up today. And you can think, well, those are, I mean, you just, you'd have to almost be, I don't know. You'd have to almost be troubled in some form or fashion. If you could do that, wouldn't you? Maybe, but in this context, you're thinking differently now, right? You're now thinking when it comes to my drama, my problem, maybe I need to get better at compartmentalizing it with everybody. No, listen, we all need somebody. I'm a guy who makes my living being that somebody. 
I'm a guy who professionally makes a living being that somebody that other people can lean on and know that in full confidence, they can shell it down. They can let down their hair. They can be open. They can be vulnerable. In those sessions, there is no Instagram moment. We're just two human beings who are working together to help them figure it out. It's not about selfishness. It's about growth and self-improvement, but then there are those people who never compartmentalize, who never accept responsibility, who fully embrace their selfishness because well, for them, they are the center of the universe. You seen this, I think it was on Netflix. Ron and I just took a trip recently and there was a day where the weather kind of went south and so we were kind of holed up and I knew the name, I knew the name, uh, was it Anna? I want to say, uh, well, help me. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, you're now going to make me do, do live Sorokin. Anna Sorokin. Anna Sorokin. She was this Russian German con artist. Well, Netflix has a show called Inventing Anna. It's you talk about somebody who's completely self-absorbed now. I mean, here was a young lady. She was, I think, at the time, twenty-five years old, and uh, there was this period of time she was living in New York, and she went under the name Anna Delvey, and she ended up being convicted on numerous accounts of trying to defraud, you know, banks and hotels and even individual people. And she served some time. She was released a year ago. She was released in February. I think the thing said, uh, at the end of February of 2021. Um, but just watching it was just so depressing because I mean, here's a young lady that very driven, very astute, very capable, um, and just living this incredibly, incredibly self-centered, narcissistic, it's all about me kind of a life and ended up in prison. And you watch this thing and I'm thinking if she had the skills at 25, 26, whatever it was to pull this off in New York city of all places, boy, don't you just have to wonder, man, what, what could you do if that was all, if that was all properly focused now, I don't know anybody personally that's done what she's done, but I've known plenty of colossally selfish people. I recognize selfishness in myself and maybe there's a question for the hour. Do you, do we recognize our worst do we recognize our best? And I'm not talking about beating ourselves up. I'm not talking about trying to accept blame for everything and anything that goes on in our life. I'm talking about accepting responsibility. I went, I was going 82 miles an hour. The speed limit was 75. I, my foot was on the gas pedal. Nobody else's. My hands were on the steering wheel. Nobody else's. I was driving the car, my fault. 
but now what? Okay. Speed limit 75. I believe I'll just set the cruise on 75. I think I'll just drive 75 and I'll be good. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I mean, the difference, seven miles an hour difference, not going to make a meaningful difference in my arrival time. So I believe I'll just drive seven, which is what I did. As I recall, I normally don't use cruise control, but seems to me my recall is I did on that occasion. And I've done it since, by the way, selfish, no, accepting responsibility, being accountable, but not for the sake of berating myself, but for the sake of, I need to do better. I can do better. I need to do better. I owe it to myself. I owe it to the other folks on the highway. I owe it to this passenger I've got beside me who I love deeply. I just owe it to everybody. Just do the right thing. Let's just do the right thing. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point because I can tell you that that's an overarching theme. It seems to me in what is now all seven episodes of this season of leaning toward wisdom. Can we just do the right thing? And are we able to do the right thing without accepting responsibility? Are we able to do the right thing without seeking growth? Are we able to do the right thing without ever improving, without ever changing to just look in the mirror and say, it's just, it's just how I roll. I don't think so. I think we can all do better. I don't know about you, but I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. Oh, I don't mean I'm unhappy. I don't mean I'm dissatisfied, but kind of, sort of. I believe I can be better. I believe I can do better. And I believe you can too. I believe we've all got the capacity for growth and improvement and learning and leaning if I didn't wouldn't have started this podcast over 25 years ago leaningtowardwisdom.com is the website it's what we hope to do here lean more toward wisdom and lean further and further away from our own foolishness and that means if it is to be it's up to me you gotta do the work I got to do the work, but here's the great thing. If you do the work, you just might influence me to better do the work. And I might influence you to better do the work. And we both win. No, we all win. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio.